I, I, I try to share this story every, every couple of years. It's one of my favorite stories. When the church first started, church was planted in, in January of, of 2006. Vanessa and I got connected here. It was really in the summer of, of 2007, but we didn't start coming and came on staff until October of 2007 of, of that year. And, and I'll never forget, I can't remember if it was late there in the fall, if it was early in 2008, that uh, the, the church was planted in, in the movie theater uh, at Regal Cinemas. And, and, and we were hanging out after, right, still today, right? There's just, there's a group that's always lingering after the service. And, and, and so we were hanging out in the lobby, just talking to some people. And, and I noticed that there was some commotion behind me. And I, and I, and I turned around. And because we met in one of the movie theaters, they were, there was a, 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 a marquee in the slot where that would usually indicate the movie that was playing. And it, and it said City Life Church. Right? So when people came, that, that they knew this is the church service was in, in this theater. It was in the main one. If you go to a movie there today, you walk right, right into the main theater, the biggest cinema right there. That's where it was, City Life Church. And, and one of the workers was taking out the marquee that said City Life Church, and they were putting in the marquee of the movie that it was getting ready to show, and it was Evil Has a Destiny. <laughs> and I was like, like, wow, that's quite the contrast. And, and, and then I started laughing to my, myself because I was thinking, you know, we've, we've just been in there worshiping, praying, opening up God's Word, right, pre-service, and then, you know, hour and a half, hour and 45 minute service, then after service, like for, for, for three, four hours, we've, you know, the, the, the presence of God still must just be so heavy in that space, and people are coming to watch a scary movie. And I got this picture of just people sitting in there just, Watching it, eating their popcorn, thinking, I should be scared right now, but I have such a sense of calm and peace over my life. Right? The, the anointing of the Lord. Evil has a destiny. The church of Jesus Christ has a destiny. Come on, he said he came to build his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So we want to say thank you for laboring with us as we continue to labor together to push back the forces of darkness. I, I want to do two things tonight, and I'm going to try to squeeze it in, that I, I want to share a little bit about just a prayer that's been building in my heart for me, for you, for this church, as we're moving into 2024. So I'm going to start there, and then I'm going to pivot, and then I want to, I want to share a, a, a message um, that's, 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 that's also been stirring in me over the last couple of weeks that I feel like we're going to be digging around in and teaching in. Through, throughout, this, throughout this year, maybe doing a series on it as we, when we get to that. But I want, I want to start with this, with this prayer, and, and I want to start by asking this question. I was having some fun with this this, this week. Ha, have you ever wondered if it was difficult for Jesus to wait? Right? We know he was born into this world. He was fully God, but he was also fully, fully man. And, and I think one of the reasons why when we, when we look at Luke 2.40, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And I think the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to insert that in the text because, because they wanted us to understand that, yes, he was fully God, but he also was fully man, right? It's part of the mystery. And so his, his body and his mind they had to grow and mature. So, so I think that, you know, I don't think when Jesus was really little, I, I think he was just like our children, it took time for him, for his emotions, his intellect to mature to the place to understand his divinity. But once that happened, and we know at some point it did early because we have the story of 
after it talks about him growing in wisdom and stature, we have the story of him being a, a, a young boy in early adolescence in the temple, teaching the religious leaders of his day, even as a young man. But at what point, did he, do you think he ever experimented with his powers? Right? I mean, he had, think of the power that Jesus had. There's no indication all of a sudden it just came to him that he was fully God and fully man. Like at some point when he was a little kid and he's eating dessert, he's eating some honey cake, did he think to himself, I can just make this piece of cake last forever, right? Was he ever maybe at a funeral and his favorite aunt had passed and no one's looking around and he kind of just touches her and she wakes up. He kind of winks at her and then sends her back to heaven. Right? I mean, think about if your teenager had powers like Jesus had power, what, what are some of the things that he would do? Every time he goes to a sleepover, there's 12 basketfuls of snacks left over. Every time. Every time. The fishing trip he's supposed to go on with his friends, and it looks like it's going to get rained out, and then all of a sudden no one's looking, and Jesus just kind of waves his hand, and then the sun comes out. There's a rainbow. Fish start jumping into the boat, and he's like, I don't know how that happened. Right? How hard was it for him to wait? To, he had to wait till he was 30 years old. Now, there's reasons, there's cultural and religious reasons. It's another sermon for another time that, 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 that instructed why he had to wait, but he had to wait until he was 30. At some point in Jesus' life, he knew and he understood. He was mature enough intellectually and emotionally. He understood everything that was waiting for him in every day for the rest of his life. Can you, can you imagine? And yet he still had to wait for it. He still had to move through life as if he did not know. That's not our journey when we make a vow of devotion to Christ and we're born into God's family, there's not some orientation that we go to and God unfolds and reveals to us everything about our future. How many of you are glad he doesn't do that for us? We'd be like, I'm out. Right? He, it comes in, in pieces. It comes in portions. There are times in our life where, where God intersects our paths to define our destiny, to clarify our purpose. Our lives are filled with landmark God encounters that point us to and empowers us for every good work we are destined to accomplish. Think about Noah and Abraham and Naomi and Ruth and Esther and David and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and Paul, and we could keep on with that list again and again and again. Ordinary people, just like you and I, and then God intersects their path with a, with a, with a landmark encounter that points them in the right direction, empowers them for a purpose. That's what I'm praying for you in 2024. That's what I'm praying for our church in 2024. That's what I'm praying for me in 2024, that this is going to be a banner year, City Life Church. That this year is going to be filled with moments for you, filled for moments for me, filled, for mo filled with moments for us, where God shows up and intersects our path with divine direction, answering questions, answering prayer, 
finding us, whether we're looking for it or not. You love the story of Gideon, right? It tells he's hiding in a wine press because he's afraid. That's the person he picks. Shows up and his life is changed forever. How about David? The smallest one of the bunch. Even the prophet that God sends for the next king has, is, is just, he can't see it. And yet all of the destiny that was bound up in that little boy's heart. That's my prayer for you for this year. I hope, I hope you leave here tonight with a sense of expectancy that there are some landmark God encounters that are waiting for you in 2024 that you're going to live with a listening ear, that you're going to live with a watchful eye, that you're going to carry within your heart a sense of expectation that God wants to intersect your path because he wants you to stay on the right path because he's got things for you to do too. You were born with a purpose and you were born with a destiny. All right, that's my prayer. All right, the message. Is anybody else distracted by all the pie in the cobbler that's down the hall? Thank you. Thank you. Somebody say 98.6. It was just a, a few weeks ago, I was standing right over there in worship, posturing myself. Come on, I'm going to keep coming back to that word. In a place of worship. And it, and it, was, it was warm in here, it, it was cold outside. It's probably like in the 30s, and, and, and uh, so I've got this app on my phone that, that can change the, the temperature in the different spaces of the room, and I, and I pulled it up to see what, what the temperature was in here, and it was like, it was like 72 degrees. And I was like, that's odd, so I, I opened up because it's set to be at 68, and so I, I, I'm looking at my phone, I was like, I, I, you know why? And I'm thinking something's wrong, maybe somebody has, has gone in there and, and, and changed it, and you know, there's always a battle over the thermostat. The worship team wants it to be 52, right? And then there's somebody in the church that wants it to be 85, right? And so you're, you're, the battle for the thermostat is like, maybe somebody has gone in and changed the setting of the thermostat, you know? And so I, I'm, I'm digging around. I was like, no, it's, it's, it's set to be 68 degrees, even though it's, it's, it's 72. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just kind of thinking and trying to figure it out. And I look around. And, and just a few weeks ago, we, we, had, we had almost 150 people that were here in this room. And, uh, it, 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 and I realized it was hot in here because you were here, right? Because every single one of you and me, we're walking around 98.6. There's, a, there, there's, a, there's an impact I bring with my body because of the temperature that I have. And, and in this space, as big as this room is, because it was one of the weeks that was, it was so full that, that we were literally changing the temperature of the room. 72 degrees. And right then, in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me and said, Fred, I want you to preach on this, on the anniversary service. I want you to, I want you to talk to the church about being a change agent in the spaces that you occupy. I want you to challenge yourself and and challenge the congregation at City Life Church to be a change agent in the spaces that you occupy. That that our presence is supposed to alter the places where we are. 
So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 15, right? Because you know we, this, is where, this is where you got to start. Matthew 5, 13 to 15 says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I love Jesus' language here, how he's posturing himself verbally. He's not giving a command. As, as, as you read through the Sermon on the Mount, if you've never done that, that'd be a great thing for you to do this weekend. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is filled with all kinds of commands. Like, for example, if we were to keep reading, you were to get to verse 44. He says, love your enemy. Right? That's a command. There's times where Jesus gives an invitation, where he invites us into something as if he's giving us a choice. But that's not the language here. He says, you are. Jesus is putting a stamp on our identity. Jesus is trying to help us to see something that we already are, a capacity that we already have. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus is trying to help us to understand that we have the ability to alter spaces and places with our presence. Are you going to be savory and bright? Or are you going to be bland and dim? You're going to be savory and bright? Or are you going to be bland and dim? What, what kind of impact are you going to have? Jesus is saying that we are supposed to be change agents in the spaces that we occupy. It's not a command as if to say something that I want you to do. It's not an invitation that's, if you don't want to, that's okay. He's saying, no, by virtue of what you are and how I created you, that when we make a vow of devotion to Christ and the Holy Spirit is inside of me, you are a change agent. The question is, what kind of change are you going to have? What kind of impact are you going to make? change agents in the spaces that we occupy. In the spaces that you're in, your home, your job, your neighborhood, your community, when you're in those spaces, are they more or less loving because of you? Are they more or less truthful because of you? Are they more or less forgiving because of you? Are they more or less generous? Are they more or less principled? Are they more or less hospitable? Are they more or less peaceful? Are they more or less merciful? And that list could keep going on and on and on. How are you changing? Because you are. The spaces that you occupy. You might say, Fred, I, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not at my job the one in charge. I don't, 
I'm not a boss. I'm not a, not a supervisor. I'm not an executive. Maybe you would say I'm not a, a business owner. Maybe, maybe you kind of operate under the mindset and the mentality that, that if you've not been given a, a measure of practical authority, that, that you can't affect change. But what I would say to you is, yes, you can. Because what all of us have is presence. All, all of us have presence. The person that you are when you step into that space, Jesus says you are. The salt of the earth, the light of the world. The salt of the earth, the light. He doesn't say some of you. He doesn't say I'm going to pick a few of you. He says, no, no, no. All of you, you are. A change agent in the spaces that you occupy. Maybe, maybe you're in a season. I was talking to somebody just last week after the service, and they, they, they were just sharing a little bit about they, just, they, they weren't quite sure why God had them in the job where they were. And I said, oh, oh we're going we're gonna to be talking about that next week. So you might be in a similar season where you're wrestling with some questions. Maybe you're wrestling with this question, why do you have me in this job? Maybe you're wrestling in, with the question, why, why do you have me in this neighborhood? Maybe you've been wrestling with a question, why did you place me in this family? Maybe you're asking the question, why did you lead me to this school? Why, why do you have me in this city? When it's 70 degrees in the middle of January. This slide's going to come up on the screen. Can I just tell you that more often than not, this is important, the spaces and places God is going to lead you into throughout your life are going to be about how God wants to use you to be a change agent in that space more than that space existing to do something for you. Especially in American culture. We are a me-centric Society. It's not an accusation, it's an observation. It's, it's, it's part of our culture. Right? If, if we're not careful, the, the culture will shape us to lead throughout life with a question, what's in it for me? Why am I here? Through the analysis of how am I benefiting. But Jesus says to you and to me, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And you might say, well, Fred, I feel like that sometimes I am in a space because what it's supposed to do for me. And I would say, yes, you are. But I would argue, I would submit to you that if you approach every space with the mindset and the mentality and the attitude is that God wants to use you to be a change agent in that space, every way that that's supposed to, supposed to change you and to be a gift to you will naturally follow it's part of the Matthew 6.33 principle that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. But if you approach every space and every circumstance and situation from the mindset and the mentality of what's in it for me, then what I would suggest to you, you're going to have little change in that space where you are. Or the change that you have is not going to be the change that you should. 98.6 And I believe that Ephesians 4, 
which is what I'm going to introduce you tonight, and then I think I'm going to do a series on it this year, holds for us some keys for how we move from bland to savory, how we move from dim to bright, or maybe how we move from the wrong kind of impact to the right kind of impact, to being a change agent in the spaces that we occupy, 98.6. Ephesians 5, 11 to 12. If you want to swipe there, turn there. It's going to be on the screen here. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, sometimes that shepherd. It's interchangeable. It works. We'll talk about that. And teachers. I'm going to read the list again. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I believe these are more than just five spiritual archetypes. I'm going to talk about what that means. I believe these are more than just five spiritual archetypes. I believe these are five culture-shaping ideals, five culture-shaping ideals that build the kind of church that in turn produces the kinds of Christians who become change agents in the spaces that they occupy. Let me read that again. I believe these are five culture-shaping ideals that build the kind of churches that in turn produce the kinds of Christians who become change agents in the spaces that they occupy. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you're familiar with this text. People refer to it as fivefold ministry. People refer to them as, as, as spiritual gifts. And I'm not saying that any of that is wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying that. There's, there's all kinds of theological streams that, that, that leverage this to teach different things. And, and we teach it at times here at church too. So, some teach that, that, that everyone is one of these five. So, some teach that, that it's really a, a, a part of a much bigger list and all of us are one of them. And, and, then, and then others still, which I kind of lean towards a little bit, if we were going to talk about the, the spiritual archetype conversation, I, I think that this text is talking about specific kinds of leadership gifts. But the question I've been wrestling with as I've been studying this this year is, have we missed the bigger point? Have we become so hyper-focused on the idea of them being spiritual archetypes, that we've missed something else that Paul was trying to communicate to the church? Have we missed something else that was supposed to be present here? Have we missed something else that those who read it 2,000 years ago understood? See, if you only approach it with the question, of it being a spiritual archetype or a, a certain spiritual personality type or a certain kind of shape of a person, if, if you only approach it that way, this is the risk, then you're only interested in trying to figure out which one you are. And, and if your only motivation is to figure out which one you are, then you spend the majority of your time trying to understand yourself. And as you grow spiritually, you, you, you do gain an interest in the others as well, so you can recognize them and make room for them, especially in leadership. But your focus is still on the one that you are and how that orients you to life. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. 
But the question I'm asking, is there something else there? And I think these are also five ideals that are supposed to shape the culture of every church. And in doing so, they're supposed to shape each of us. And and that no matter which one you might be, we're supposed to embody all five as an ideal that shapes who I am as a Christian. And when I embrace that, I become even more of a change agent than I already am. Five ideals that we're all supposed to embody. So let me just touch on each one for a couple of minutes. I'm going to do them out of order because I feel like some are easier for us to understand than others. And so that kind of builds momentum, I think, for us as we work through maybe to some of the words that aren't necessarily as culturally relevant as others. Let's start with teacher. Come on, all the teachers in the room said, come on. I think the question this is embodying is this. Are we being true to the text? Meaning that am I living up to the truth that I know? See, see, I think the Holy Spirit's inspiring Paul here to write this list of ideals. He's saying, if the church is going to be healthy, if the church is going to grow, if the church is going to have the kind of impact in the world that it's supposed to have, if you're going to be the kind of change agent that I've called you to be, the you are, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then you've got to live your life in such a way where you're true to the text, where you're living up to the truth that you know. Whether you're supposed to function as a teacher in the body of Christ or not, all of us should embody the ideal of, of being true to the text. What, what, what would happen? What would happen in the 757 if tomorrow every person who professes faith in Jesus Christ, every person who says that they believe that the Bible is divinely inspired, what would happen if all of us, every day for the rest of our lives, submitted our lives to things that we've already said we believe to be true. Stop it already. How would your household change? Oh, let's make it personal. If you, starting tomorrow, woke up and said, I'm going to live up to the truth that I know. The things that I believe that the Bible says that are true I'm going to bring, bring my life into alignment with Scripture, and I'm going to be true to the text, an ideal, an ideal that we should all embody. Let's be that church. Can we be the kind of church that, in, that creates an appetite, that inspires people to want to live their lives being true to the text? Second one is this, the shepherd or the pastor. Are we caring for others? Are we caring for others? I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to give myself permission to not be caring for other people. I do not have to talk myself into it. Anybody else here in the room? Not you, Cleo. She's like, preach, pastor. She's my office buddy here at the City Life Church. We give ourselves permission, do we not? Our personality? Oh, come on. I'm not impersonating anybody in the room. 
well, God just didn't make me that way. I just, I just tell it like it is. And that's how God made me. No, that's how Adam made you. And Jesus is trying to fix that. You, you with me? All of us have personalities. All of us have personality types, and some of them lean more towards caring than others. We get that, right? That's how, that's how Adam made us. God, God wants to redeem that personality. He wants to dial back the eccentricities and the excesses and to take that personality and bring it into alignment with the character of Christ. He's not going to change our personality, but our personality should be in step with the character of Christ, not working against it. Our personality cannot be permission giving to not be caring for others. How about our point of view? Social media. How is it that we've fallen into this trap that if we are right, then I no longer have any responsibility to be caring in my presentation? At what point did the church fall into this trap of believing that the only standard is true? The only standard is not true. There is a standard that goes with that, which is why the Bible itself says speak the truth in love. Truth isn't enough. It's got to be true, but it should be caring and how it impacts the heart of another person. My point of view. How about my present circumstances? This, is, this one's mine here. If I'm having a bad day, I'm not necessarily always a nice person. Right? Our present circumstances cause us to not want to be caring of other people. So what would happen in the 757 if everybody who's a devoted follower of Christ, everybody who's made a profession of faith in Jesus, woke up tomorrow and said, I'm going to work on my emotional intelligence. I'm going to reach for, for mercy, for sensitivity. I'm going to embody a mindset that says to others after you, what would happen? Are we caring for others? The prophet, what, what, what is God saying to us? What is God saying to us? We are a church that believes in a living God who has an active prophetic voice that God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to you. The Bible, that's the guardrails, right? The voice of God is never going to take us in a direction that contradicts Scripture, but he does want to take us in a direction for your life, for your family, for your future, and he wants to speak to you. I've never heard his audible voice, but I like to say I feel his voice. And we want to be a kind of church that creates an expectation in you that God wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you, guide you, direct you. He wants you to begin to learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, throughout your day. I shared this story not too long ago. We, were, we had sold something. As you know, I have a buying and selling addiction. And that protects me from being a hoarder. Because Jesus says, I mean Jesus, Vanessa says, it's interchangeable. It's interchangeable. That's so great. That's so great. I didn't even do that on purpose. All kinds of points right there, gentlemen. All kinds of points right there. She's like, you, you got you to sell something to buy something. That's my rule. That's my rule. Got to sell something to buy something. So we sold something, and 
and, and, and the person couldn't come pick it up. They, they said, will you deliver it? We said yes, and because of what it entailed and, and, and what was required, we, we agreed it was going to be a, a $200 delivery fee. And so we delivered it outside of Richmond. And, uh, and so Vanessa and I were like, let's, you know, hey, let's, let's go out to a nice dinner. So it was a Friday night, and we, we went to this. We found an outback, and there was a 45-minute wait. I was like, I'm not, I, hey, I don't care how good the food is. I'm not waiting longer than 20 minutes, right, for so so, so, so we said, all right, there's a Ruby Tuesdays across the street. The food's not going to be as good, but I can eat my weight in pumpernickel croutons. Thank you. Preach. So we went there. I just walked right up to the salad bar, just fill a big old plate of pumpernickel. I've never had a server say you can't do that. They're like, hey, you like those? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So, so, so we're sitting there at, at, at dinner. This was just this past fall. And... Uh, and I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me as clear as day. Give one of those $100 bills to the waiter. So I got up and went to the table next to me and said, hey, I'm Pastor Fred, and God wants you to give that waiter $100. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I, I, I said, Vanessa, I, I feel like we're supposed to give, 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 give the server uh, one of these $100 bills. And we're like, okay, come on. So we had this dinner. We are talking to the waiter, getting to, 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 to the server, getting to know him a, a little bit. And when it came time for him to, to, to bring the bill, I said, hey, here's a card. Uh, I want you to put the, the cost of the meal on this card. And, 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 and then I put a $100 bill on the table. I said, but, but this, is, this is for you. This is for you. Because, because God wants you to know that he sees you. He sees you. And, and, and there's this pause, and, and, and he says, he says, when I came to work tonight, I did not know how I was going to pay for childcare. And all night I've been working, I've been caring this question how am I going to pay for childcare for my kid? And, and he's looking down at this $100 bill, and, and you could see, right? It's, it was a sacred moment right there in Ruby Tuesdays. God wants you to be a change agent in the spaces that you occupy. To, to, to live with an expectation that he wants to speak to you. He wants, he wants to ask you to do things. And oftentimes, it's not even for you. It's for somebody else. We, we believe in the prophetic voice of God. What is he saying to us? You, you following me here? There are five ideals that are right here in Ephesians 4, that are supposed to shape a church, that's supposed to shape us. And, and that we begin to embody these ideals, the kind of change agent that we become in the spaces that we occupy. The evangelist, are we spreading the gospel? Are we spreading the gospel? We have this statement. It's on the front page of our website. We want you to understand what we mean when we say that. I am at one with God, rescued from myself, just as if I'm perfect, because Jesus paid it all. I am at one with God, rescued from myself. I am at one with God, rescued from myself, just as if I'm perfect, because Jesus paid it all. I want everybody that I know to be able to say that. I want everybody that I know to be able to confess that. 
I want everybody I know to understand that statement, to experience that statement. We want to be the kind of church that when you bring people here into this setting, they're going to hear something about the gospel. They're going to be introduced to the gospel the ministries that we do, the places that we go. We do them for lots of reasons, and we're motivated by lots of things, but one of them is because we want Jesus to be easy to find in our city. I remember in 1990 when I was wrestling, I was wrestling with this challenge that I knew God was giving to me to make a vow of devotion to Christ to begin to live in earnest according to my faith. And I was a bartender at night, and I was a bank teller during the day, and I was at this bank in the west end of Richmond, and, and this family friend, of, a friend of my parents, his name's John Tao, has gone on, since gone on to be with the Lord. I look up, and there he's standing right there in my, my teller window. And he looks right at me, and he says, Fred, are you still living your life for Jesus? I'm thinking about, hey, John, calm down. This is a bank, okay? Let's just calm down a little bit. Are you here to make a deposit or not? Right? That was John. He didn't care. He didn't care. It was so good. He wanted people to know Jesus. And those that knew him, he wanted them to follow him. And those that were following him, he wanted them to tell other people about him. I remember my mom that summer giving me this book by Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness. It had an impact on me. Even though it's a fictional book, just building on this biblical principle, there is good in this world and there is evil in this world. Pick a side. There is Jesus and there's everything else. Pick a side. It impacted me. It was in December of that year that I made a vow of devotion to Jesus. I, I want to be the kind of church that's asking the question, are we spreading the gospel? Are we bringing the message of the gospel into the spaces that we occupy? It, are the lives that we're living, the choices that we're making, the, the attitudes that we're sharing, whether people want to participate in it or not, is it pointing other people to Jesus? Is, is the person that we are and the presence that we carry creating a spiritual curiosity in other people, or is it reminding them of why they don't want to go back to church. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What kind of impact are you going to have? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up as we do this last one. The last one might be the one that, is, that, that we're the least familiar with. It's the apostle, it's the one that Paul actually starts his list with. Again, I'm not trying to unteach everything that the Bible teaches about these things. You with me? I'm adding to it. But I am saying this idea of spiritual archetypes, maybe it's time for those to get in the back seat and these five ideals need to be in the front seat. Maybe we need to start leaning more into these than those. Not abandon these, but let's shift our emphasis and the question for the apostle that I'm asking is, are we 98.6? Are we 98.6? Because apostle just simply means those who were sent. That's what it means in its simplest form. That's why the disciples at some point became apostles. Disciple is posturing yourself as a student. Apostle is Jesus is, okay, now you're ready to go out and represent me to the world. We're always going to be a disciple. 
But the question is, are we picking up the apostolic mantle that we've been given to be sent? I love it was a couple of years ago that Jeff, my dear friend, Jeff Mingi, who used to be the pastor of Catalyst Church that meets here on Sunday, and now he uh, has a regional role for the uh, denomination that they're a part of. And uh, at the end of every one of their services, they would say, hey, always remember, you are sent. And they said, can we, that's where that, that metal sign that's on the back wall there behind the camera, where that's where that came from. They said, can we mount that in the sanctuary, right? And, and it's because as you notice, as you walk in this building, if you're visiting, that, that we still set up and tear down, even though this, this building miraculously was gifted to us in 2019, we're, we're just one of several churches that meet here. And so, so, so we're very careful to say, hey, we want every church that meets here for it to feel like it's their church to that congregation, right? So we're careful about not putting City Life stuff all over the building. But we said, hey, that needs to be on that back wall because we're sent. I, I was thinking about that in this, this, this moment, in, in this service, that, that what a mandate that we have been given to be sent out into this world, to be change agents, in the spaces that we occupy because we're sent. What, what would happen? What would happen is if every person who's a devoted follower of Christ started to live their life asking the question, am I being true to the text? Am I being caring for others? Right. What is God saying to me? Am I spreading the gospel? Am I waking up every day of my life with this sense of a mandate and a mission that God is sending me out into this world to be a change agent? We're all familiar with the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world. And we understand that the Great Commandment is the companion of the Great Commission because it tells us how we go. We go loving, posturing ourselves, loving others as Jesus has loved us the great commission, the great commandment, and then I'm adding tonight the great expectation that when we arrive, because we bring the message of the gospel, because we come as a loving ambassador of Jesus Christ, that we are supposed to be a change agent in those spaces that we occupy. The salt and the light of the world. Stand with me. As we sing this song, we have a gift here that we want to give to you. It's, just, it's one for every household. It's one for every household. It's just, it's, it's a little thermometer. I think there might even be a humidity reading on there. And it's magnetized. And, and I'm going to challenge you that for, for all of 2024, we're going to put one on ours. You're going to just pop that right on your refrigerator. You're going to pop that right on your refrigerator. And every time you see it, it's going to prompt you to ask yourself the question, Am I being the kind of change agent in the spaces that I'm occupying that God wants me to be? So, Father, as we move into this year, as we celebrate this birthday and this anniversary of our church, help us. By the time we get to this place next year in 2025, help us to have lived our lives in such a way that the spaces that we have occupied are different that they have been changed because of our presence, not because of who we are, but because of your presence in us. Help us to be the kind of people that live our lives with the ideal of being true to the text. 
Help us to be the kind of people that live our lives, that embody this, this ideal of being caring for others, of asking the question, what are you saying to us? Being committed to spreading the gospel and living my life with a 98.6 mindset that I am sent by my Savior to be a change agent in the world around me. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together as we sing. You come, every household, take one of these magnets.